Hello. Can you hear me okay? Thumbs up if you can hear me. That's, that's great. Okay, that right at the back. Um, I've been looking forward to, to preaching today um, because what I'm going to uh, speak about, I believe God put on my heart quite a while ago and I've been living with it uh, for some time. Um, and as the sort of date for coming to preach has been approaching, I've just been growing in expectation and excitement about what, what God wants to do. Um, and normally in a, in a week leading up to me doing a, a preach or whatever, um, because I, I work, uh, but I'm self-employed, God tends to open up like a day off for me so that I can have some time to prepare and, and get things ready. And, uh, and he's, he's always done that when I've been preparing preachers, and it's been great to see God sort of provide those days off in the week. But this coming week, he gave me a whole week off. So I don't know what he wants to do today, um, but <laughs> I'm believing that he, he wants to come and meet with us. Um, and in fact, I, just, I was just out in the foyer, uh, I was putting my microphone on in the toilet because I've got funny shaped ears as well, and it kind of is a bit awkward to, to get on right. Uh, but as I was walking back in, I just noticed all the umbrellas uh, in the foyer, uh, obviously because it's been canning it down. Um, and, and, and I just felt uh, stirred just then that I was, I, was, I was thankful that the umbrellas were left in the foyer um, because I do feel that God just wants to meet with us today. And, you know, when you go out in the rain, first thing you want to do is get your umbrella up, kind of cover up, make sure you stay dry. Uh, but actually, I believe there's an invitation today to forget the umbrella and just get into the rain. Uh, just get wet. Uh, enjoy God's presence. Um, that word that, that Ginny brought recently uh, about a deluge coming uh, and that being a sign in the natural as well. Well, let's believe for that. Um, in fact, do you want to just stand? We're just going to pray. and let's, 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 Some of us may still have our umbrellas tucked under our arm, but let's just pray now. Open up our hearts to God, because it's not about what I'm going to say, and it's not about anything that I can do, but we're here to meet with God, who's awesome. I mean, just really awesome. And uh, so let's just, let's just open our hearts to him now. Lord, we just, we love you, Lord. Jesus, we are so grateful for what you've done for us, that you have, you have won salvation for us, that we have now a, an open door to come into relationship with the Father. And, and Lord, I pray, let nothing hinder us today. Let nothing stand in the way. Holy Spirit, I pray, come right now. Lord, would you come and open up hearts? Lord, raise our expectation. Lord, let us get rid of the umbrellas. Let us not cover up or cower away or try and hide from you, Lord. But have open hearts to say, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I want to hear from you. Lord, I want to meet with you. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know your presence in my life. I want to hear your voice. Already he's been saying he's got a plan for us. He's got a plan for us. Did you hear those words this morning? He's speaking to us. He cares about the details. We're hearing stories to build our faith. So Lord, I pray, come, just come now with your spirit, Lord, and just open hearts. Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to sit. Um, as I've been praying, uh, I felt God lead me uh, to the book of Daniel. Um, and 
more specifically to the story of uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azraeah, or known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because um, they had their names changed uh, when they came into Babylon, got, got given uh, Babylonian names. Um, now, that is a really familiar story, probably for a lot of us if we've been Christians for a while. Uh, if you've got kids, you've probably read that story to your kids, um, because it's, it's just a, an amazing story of God's uh, rescuing and God's favor and these blokes uh, standing strong for God. Um, so you'll know it in your hearts, which is great, because already you can be thinking, I know what he's going to say. You know, he's going to talk about faith and probably the miraculous. So that's great. So I don't really need to get you on board particularly. We can just go on the journey together of looking at this story and letting faith build in our hearts because this story is awesome and it is incredibly encouraging. And as I've been preparing it, my heart has just been stirred. Um, and actually, one thing I would like to ask, uh, there's some guys here who's been to New Day recently, isn't there? Some, if put your hand up if you went to New Day. So, quite a few. Um, put your hand up. If you're from New Day and you met with God at New Day, in, in feeling his presence, seeing him do miracles and so on. Yep, that's a good number. Who of you were excited by that? Quite good, that's good. Brilliant. What I'd like for you to do for the rest of us is, as I'm preaching, do be listening, but can you pray that the Holy Spirit will come on us? That the things that you saw at New Day aren't just limited to New Day, but actually, you'll see them here today as well. And so, pray for me, pray for the rest of us, that we will see the things that you guys saw, feel that same excitement that you guys felt when you met with God at New Day. Can you be doing that for me? So, notes, praying, and listening. It's a new, new one for you today. <laughs> so, Daniel is a prophet, and the book of Daniel is really interesting. Uh, I like it because it's got a narrative story in it. Uh, it's got dreams and interpretation of dreams. It's got prophecy, uh, visions and all sorts. So it's, it's quite an interesting book. Uh, do read it in your own time. Enjoy it. Um, and this actually Rich, Rich last week was preaching uh, about uh, King Josiah. And, and that was kind of not too far apart in time wise. So he did a lot of the sort of historical, historical background for you. I heard that he preached for an hour in the morning. Is that right? Good stuff. He, I think he only preached for 20 minutes in the afternoon. So he cut it. No, no, he didn't. He preached for, for a good time. But you say so you guys have got a good historical background. It's sort of around the same time, sort of same things happening. Israel, divided kingdom, in decline. Things are going to pot. Uh, at this point, uh, where this, we come with the story of Daniel, uh, we haven't got a good king that's in charge of Israel. Um, and so it's a bit rough. And what we see is, is uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he comes does some fighting, takes some stuff from the temple, and also takes away some people, uh, some blokes, and brings them to where he lives, and basically says, you're going to now be in my service. You're going to be captives in this nation, and you're going to work for me. So they didn't have much choice about it. And Daniel is one of those guys, um, and he gets put into like a little group uh, with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they, they've got their own little group of, of guys, and there were other Israelites that had also been brought in, and they would have had their own little groups, and they had their own little commander that looked after them. And the idea was they were going to get trained up and come into the service of the king. Um, now, we're going to look at a little bit of that story as we go forward, but I think it would be best if we start by actually reading the story we're going to be mainly looking at, 
about the image of gold and the fiery furnace. So we're going to read it all, and that's in chapter 3 of Daniel. And then we'll get into it. So chapter 3 of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 90 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. He summoned all the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other uh, provincial officers to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officers assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every languages. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, um, and must wor- uh, pipes and worship, uh, must fall down and worship the, the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who you have uh, set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, pipes, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his, uh, was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's commander, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, 
Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? The king replied, certainly, O king, he said. He said, look, see, I I see uh, four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God's. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and the royal advisers crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree the um, the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut to pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Got through it. (laughs) It's an incredible story. Hopefully none of you have dozed off during that story. You know, reading for quite a long time. It's an amazing story. I love reading that story. I've, I think I must have read this story maybe 10, 15 times in preparing for it because I just, I could just read it all the time. It's just so encouraging. But what strikes me about the story immediately is where does Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego get that sort of courage from? What, where did they get that conviction to say to the king, no, we're, we're not going to worship? And, There are many, many reasons why they shouldn't have had that courage. Because, well, we already seen in this story, King Nebuchadnezzar was harsh. And if things didn't go his way, if you weren't going to do what he wanted, his punishments were like really severe. It's not sort of go to prison for a bit, it's die. And it's not just die, it's I'm going to find creative and really mean horrible ways to kill you. So, you know, in in chapter 2 we see that actually... You know, he's, he's had a dream and he wants it to be interpreted. Um, and rather than encouraging his, you know, wise men and so on, you guys, you can do it. You know, you can interpret. He says, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you. If you don't do it, I'll chop you up. So he likes the chopping up thing. Um, but then obviously he's, he's maybe got a bit bored of that and decided with the image of gold thing, if people don't do that, it's fiery furnace time. And then obviously we see after that didn't work, he reverts back to cutting people into pieces if they don't honour Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's God. So he's a scary guy down to the core. He's harsh. And so that's a very, very good reason for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to fear this guy and to think he's not bluffing about the furnace thing. He's, He's serious about this. So they've got many reasons not to be courageous. Another reason would be that they are foreign people and they are captives. And so this isn't their homeland. This isn't what they're used to. This isn't the place that they grew up or knew the rules or knew how things worked. It's a scary place to be. And they're captive. They've been taken away. It's another reason that they would be, have reason to be fearful. Have reasons actually to just keep your head down. Just, lads, let's not say anything. Let's just go along with it. Keep your heads down. We'll get through it. I'm sure, I'm sure God rescuers at some point let's just keep quiet but they didn't do that another reason that they could have had 
for not being very courageous is they weren't prophets. And so Daniel was the dude. He was like, well, the one the book is named after, you know. And he, he had the, the prophetic stuff going on. And throughout scripture, we see lots of blokes like Daniel, don't we, who God chooses and they're like, you know, the prophet or whatever. And different guys, some weak, some not weak, but they get some sort of anointing to be the prophet. You know, Moses, not, not the natural choice, but he had the burning bush. That's a good encouragement. It's a good way to start, you know. Bush burning, not on fire, but it is on fire, but it's not getting consumed. Hmm, I think God maybe is, is asking me to do something here. Oh, and now I'll turn my rod into a snake and put, you know, plagues on people and go up a mountain and my face is glowing and hit rocks and water comes out. Okay, he's got reason to think God's with him. Okay, because he's a prophet. Daniel, prophet. And <laughs> who here has watched Power Rangers? Okay, all the lads. Oh, some girls. Yeah. Now, there wasn't very many hands, so this illustration might not work very well at all. But basically, with Power Rangers, uh, they, they're just, you know, they have badges or whatever series you're watching, you know, you, you can argue about that later. But they have things that they, they then say, you know, right, it's time to get power on or whatever. I've got my badge and I'm going to call on Tyrannosaurus Rex and then the Tyrannosaurus Rex comes, they jump into him and they're all powerful and whatnot. Okay? Now... You can almost imagine it's a bit like that with some of the prophets. So, you know, you've got Isaiah's like, yeah, badge, fire, coming from heaven sort of thing. He's got his whatever. But for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, their badge, you know, administrators. It's not, it's not overwhelmingly sort of striking. So they didn't have that backing them up either. They, they were just normal blokes. They were just administrators in a foreign land with a really scary king. So what strikes me immediately about that story is where does this courage come from? How have they got this conviction to stand up to this guy? And uh, I believe there's a few things that brought them to this place. Now, one of them is that they would have known their history. So they would have known their Bibles. They would have known what God has done in the past. And for all of us, we have the same thing. We have our scriptures and we can see what God has done. And that can build faith. That can give us courage that our God is faithful. He's powerful. He's almighty. He's good. And we can see that. So they would have had that. They would have had knowledge of what God has done. But I don't think that is necessarily, it's part of it, but I don't think that's necessarily what brought them to that place of faith. Now, because there were other Israelites who also got took into captivity and they also would have known their scriptures, they would have known their history. So the things that I want to look at today that I believe helped them get to that place of faith, that place of courage, um, there's two things really, which is firstly, if you go to chapter one of Daniel, we will see that he was, that these guys, these three guys were well led. And so chapter one, I was already, already saying that they'd got taken captive into a foreign land. They were going to come into the service of the king. They're getting trained up and so on. Now, what the king did at that point is that he organized some food for them to be from the king's table. Um, and the Israelites were going to eat that as they were getting trained up so they'd be healthy and strong and, and come into service of the king, you know, pretty buff or fat or whatever. And what we see in, in the beginning of uh, chapter 1, in verse 5, is that the king assigned daily food. Um, but Daniel, he was like... Mm, 
No. He, he decided, I'm not going to eat this food. Now that was Daniel's choice. And the reason for that would be that that food would have been sacrificed to other gods and idols and so on. And so he didn't want to defile himself against God. He wanted to stay true to God. So Daniel makes that decision. And what we see actually is he then speaks to the guy who's their little commander of, the, of their little group. And he says, you know, I'm not going to defile myself. And he goes with wisdom and tact. And he says, you know, and, you know it's a te- testers. You know, I know, I know you, you probably get in trouble. So just do a, do a 10 day trial. 10 veggie day trial. Anyone on a diet at the moment? You can try that one. 10 veggie day trial. And he goes to them. But he kind of <laughs> inadvertently includes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And, you know, he says, test me and, and these guys. And at this point, they had a choice. Because it wasn't their sort of idea to do this. It was Daniel's idea. And they had a choice because they would have looked at some of the other Israelites and gone, hmm, well, they, they're eating the king's food and drinking the nice wine and so on. In fact, Daniel, you can have your veggie diet and we'll go with the thing. Please don't include us with this guy. But they don't. Instead, they obviously have seen something in Daniel and they've said, well, they didn't say it. We don't know that they said it, but they went along with it and they were tested along with Daniel. And so what we see is they, they saw something of God, something of leadership in Daniel and trusted him and went with it. And what's amazing about that is that then they are taught by Daniel that God is faithful. Because after this 10 day veggie trial, they come out looking better, fatter, stronger than any of the other guys who'd been eating off the king's table. And so they were learning from Daniel. Because they'd seen him test their faith. And here at Sikh Church, we also have a leader called Daniel. Uh, He's not here at the moment. I was going to get him up and pat him on the head and show you him. But he's our lead elder. And he is a guy who God has anointed, who God has chosen to lead us as a church. And like Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, they committed themselves to follow where Daniel was leading. I want to encourage us, as we move forward, that actually, when Dan leads out in something, when Dan says we're going for something, when Dan shares vision, like he has done recently about us moving into different congregations and so on, our response could be, well, let's kind of, let's see what, you know, leave that and see what happens. I'm not really going to attach myself to that just in case it all goes wrong, then I can say, well, I was never really on board with that anyway, and look, see, it went wrong, and I told you so. Actually, we want to be like these three guys and go with it. Go with it, with all our hearts, to get behind Dan. Because part of learning faith, part of learning what it is to trust God and to see him move is to get behind leaders who are leading us in steps of faith. Because then we see him be faithful. And as a church, we've got testimonies of that, haven't we? Because we're standing in one of them. This building. Leaders said, we're going for it. Church was like, okay. (laughs) We went for it. And now we're here. God provided. We learned something there about faith. We learned something there about trusting God. And just like these three, we want to trust our leaders. We want to go with them. Not just a bit, but with all our hearts. We want to say, yeah, we're with you. We're in. We're going for it. Another thing that Daniel led them into, and I believe is... Really important in terms of getting hold of living a faith-filled life and having that courage 
is that Daniel led them into seeking God. So chapter 2, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. We've already mentioned this already. And he gathers all of his wise men and people who are meant to be really good at interpreting stuff and powerful and basically gives them a challenge. He says, guys, I've had a dream and normally with dreams he'd tell them and then they'd interpret it. But this time he says, no, this time guys, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You're going to have to tell me my dream and then interpret it for me as well. So he's kind of like set the bar higher. And then he says, and if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you. So he's kind of, it's, it's full on. And Daniel and his mates are included in this. They're going to get killed as well if this doesn't go down. So Daniel, again, taking the initiative, goes and speaks to his commander. He says, you yeah, know, what's going on? What's, what's all this about? Was getting killed because we can't do this. And, and then says, oh, can I just have a word with the king? Asks for more time from the king. And then he goes to his mates and he says, guys, we need to seek God. And I think that's just incredibly key. It's a real important moment for them because, yeah, they've seen God do work. Now, what do they do now in this situation where maybe it's a little bit more severe? What's going to happen? Well, Daniel's knee-jerk reaction was, let's seek God. Let's seek God. And he gets his boys together. They pray. And what we see wonderfully happen is then that dream is revealed to Daniel. And Daniel then goes and shares that with King Nebuchadnezzar. And they're all saved. So again, these guys are learning from Daniel. He's led them into seeking God. And for us, I want to encourage us that that is, it it should be like a knee-jerk reaction when we're going through life, when we're facing whatever it might be, small things, big things, whatever. Our knee-jerk reaction should be, well, what's the will of God? Let's seek God. Let's get before him. And I'm, I'm incredibly happy and I feel really privileged to be part of a church that does pray. So we have prayer meetings on Friday nights uh, from 7.30 onwards. Um, and they're great times, aren't they, where we come, we seek God and we seek his will. Now, I want to encourage you in that. Please do come to those prayer meetings. They're reasonably well attended, but we could have more people. Come and pray. Come and seek God. Come and seek his will. Come and hear other people praying. Hear other people's faith. Here, where Dan is leading, when he's praying out, let that begin to stir things in your heart. But don't fall into a routine. With these guys, it was kind of, well, we need to pray right now. And so he gets his boys, and there's only four of them, and they have like a prayer meeting, and they're seeking God. I want to encourage you, knee-jerk reaction, pray. Pray on your own if you have to, if you can't get anyone else. But you know what? Ring people up if you're facing things, and put it before God together, and believe for it. Because he's faithful, because he is the almighty one. He is the sovereign one who is going to answer prayer, who's going to lead us into his will. So pray with your families, pray with your kids, pray with your wife, pray with each other. Make it a habit. Don't get stuck in a routine, but seek God in all things. And I believe that that was one of the key things that brought these three guys to the place where they were when they faced Nebuchadnezzar. And... When they do face Nebuchadnezzar, it's, it's crunch time for them because Daniel's not there. So these other times, Daniel has been there and he's the one who's kind of taken the initiative. And he said, right, let's do this or let's do that. Let's pray. Let's seek God. He's the one that got the interpretation of the dream. He's the one that had the idea for the veggie test 
And God answered. And so they were led by Daniel in that. But this time, they're on their own. And it's really, it really is crunch time for them. But what we see them do is be faithful to God. They're faithful to God. And the training that they got in following Dan's lead, in seeking God, had done something in them where they were changed men. They believed God. They weren't going to settle for second best, but they were going to go after God with all their heart. And really the, the key verse in that is, is verse six, 16 onwards. And I, and I just want to dwell on that just for a moment, because in terms of having faith in God, in terms of stepping out for God, the, this is, it's important that we react how they reacted. And we need to learn about, learn from this. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They're not about me. <laughs> They're not about me. The temptation can be, we've seen God move, right, get a bit of pride. Right, now King Nebuchadnezzar, test us, you know, bring it on. You know, God's good, but whatever. Well, they're saying, no, we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. They're not full of pride. They're not full of arrogance. They're not coming to the king to try and be aggressive towards him and win an argument. They're just coming before him and saying, listen, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. That is faith. <laughs> it's, it's not an if, but, or maybe. It's full on, our God can, and he will. Our God can, and he will. It's got a massive bunch of faith. But they follow it up, and they say, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, but even if, uh, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's a key thing to get hold of. And I think Dan actually uh, was preaching recently and he, I think I caught a phrase from him, sort of paraphrasing, he, he may, may not have said this, I may have made it up. Um, but as Christians, we're called to faithfulness and God handles the results. These guys had got hold, not of a faith like we can sometimes think of it, which is, oh, everything will be all right. That's faith. No, that's not faith. Or faith that says, you know, God is good. Everything we do will be victorious. That's not faith. These guys have got hold of what faith was, of what they could do to trust in God, which was, we seek his will. Whatever he does, that is right. Whatever happens, we put our trust in him. And they were very aware that that moment was life and death. Even if he doesn't save us, they were well aware that at this point, they could die. But they have faith. Now, very often, what can happen with us is that we can kind of flip that statement round and start with the, but what if God doesn't? <laughs> we can start with, but even if he doesn't. Well, no, we want to start from a position of faith. Some of the things, some of the thought processes that, that, that can come in, 
that we really want to deal with and get rid of. Uh, attitudes that would say, and, and we all struggle with this. In term, when it comes to crunch time, we, all these things can go through our heads, which is, well, let's not get carried away. You know, that sort of British sensibility. You know, let's just, let's not get carried away. And that can come in and that can squash faith. Another thing that can come in and squash faith is, well, God's sovereign. If he wanted to do it, I'm sure he'd do it anyway. Why does he need me? Kind of deferring the faith. (laughs) God's almighty, let him handle it. And I'll just kind of, I don't need to do this. But that's not faith. That is something else that squashes faith. Another thing that can squash faith is an attitude of disappointment. So last time I tried this, or last time I stepped out, or last time I prayed, or whatever it is, nothing happened. And that can be sort of our knee-jerk reaction to situations where we're called to react in faith. But nothing happened last time. That's not how Shadrach, Meshach, and Bednego responded. They were like, even if he doesn't, we believe God. We want to rebuke those ways of thinking. (laughs) Because they come in and they squash faith. We want to be like these three. Who stand before the king, just normal blokes, administrators, normal jobs. But they're trusting God. They've seen God work. And they're saying, yes, we believe God. And some, some of the things that I felt God impress on me in terms of responding today. Uh, uh, one of the things that I felt is that he just wanted to remind us that, because quite often, and this is what maybe, maybe many of the other Israelites did who were captives in Babylon, which was they look at things that happened in the past in the Bible and say, well, maybe that was for them, but this isn't really for us. <laughs> and I want to encourage us. That we've got this story, which is a long time ago. This story happened a long time ago. And during that time, God had his chosen people and was moving through his chosen people, Israel. But now, Jesus has come. And no longer are stories like this limited to the people of God or to Israel or to things that happened in the past. But because of Jesus... We are all now included in the people of God, which means we can have experiences like this. That means we're going to face persecution. It means we're going to face trials and suffering. And in preparing this, you know, I've spent a lot of time praying for our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world who are suffering at the moment. And the stories that we hear about them at the moment, and mainly through the media, is that they're getting killed for their faith. And if many of you know Hebrews 11, uh, and near the end of Hebrews 11, it's talking about people who go through persecution. It says the world is not worthy of them. And that's true for our brothers and sisters who are dying across the world. But I know in my heart that not only are people dying for Christ in different parts of the world, but God is also saving many. God is also doing things like this story that we may never even hear about because it won't be meteorized, it won't be brought forward, but God is faithful. God will be saving people. And as Christians, as those who are in Christ, who've been brought into this kingdom of God, we can expect stories like this. But even if the things that we are maybe hoping for or believing for don't happen, 
we can put our trust in God because the world is not worthy of us if we're to die for him. Because those famous words, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain, that Paul said, you know, we live for Christ. He's the only one worth going after. Stories like this are true. And, and I can't tell you any from our friends who are in the media at the moment, but I can tell you a story of somebody who I've come into contact with, uh, who's, who's, it's their husband, so it's kind of a deferred story. But while we were in India, we met this girl who, I mean, she was an amazing, amazing woman. She loved God. Uh, we, when we were doing lots of Bible training, she came along to the Bible training. Um, she was really seeking after God. Uh, but she really wanted a uh, equally vigorous man of God. Like she, was, she wanted to reach unreached people groups. She wanted to preach the gospel. She loved the word. And she didn't want to settle for a husband that was kind of mediocre. So she'd had a few offers, but she'd turned them down. And, uh, and she, was going, she wanted you know, proper going for it husband. And so she got one. And this guy was, uh, he'd been converted from being a Hindu and he'd become a Christian. Uh, and he was back in his village. And when his village had heard that he was going to marry a Christian woman and that he'd converted, uh, they were not happy about that. And they, they got hold of him in the village and they took him out and they poured petrol all over him. And at this point, I guess it's a bit like <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He was asked a question, which was, don't marry this woman, renounce your faith, and we'll let you go. He's got a choice. And so he chose to say, no. I don't know why I'm getting upset, because he lived, by the way. <laughs> but he said, no, I'm going to marry this woman. I'm going to go for God. And so they, uh, they then tried to set him on fire. And everything they used, <laughs> lighters, matches, whatever, it just wouldn't set him on fire. And God rescued him. It's been a long journey preparing this sermon. God is worthy of following. God is mighty. And friends, this city needs God. And we serve a miraculous God who is faithful, who throughout the ages has been faithful. And he remains faithful. And we're called to be like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Just normal people, normal jobs, normal lives, but with a supernatural, awesome God. Friends, many of us have turned our back on living faith-filled lives, out of fear, out of whatever. Maybe not trusting God, maybe not knowing what to do. But the call today is that we get to serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Which means we can have stories like that. And I believe that in preparing this, some of the things that I felt God wanted to do, even this morning, were to take us to that place of faith, because it is the next chapter and so on. We've had so many things leading us up to this point. Mark, remember Mark's words, we don't want to go anywhere without the presence of God. I feel the presence of God is going to come on us this morning. And... What's been preached more recently about trusting God, casting off sin, chasing after him. And that he is a God of the miraculous. Friends, we are not going to settle for anything less than serving the God of the miraculous.
for believing for things that are beyond our scope to do. We've got stories like this building, but there are going to be so many more stories of how God provides, how God changes, how God heals, how God sets people free, how God saves. And so we're going to sing a song, if the band could come up. Um, We're going to have quite a decent amount of time to respond to God today. Um, Just like it's been raining today, uh, I'm believing that God is wanting to come and pour his spirit out on us. Uh, Some of those things I mentioned earlier, the things that can squash faith, uh, mindsets, um, past hurt, uh, disappointment and so on. I believe God wants to deal with those. I believe God wants to heal people uh, physically and also I believe that there is, there is a lot of freedom that God wants to bring this morning in delivering people from different stuff. Um, and I also believe that God wants to just meet with us Fill us with power. Fill us with faith. Change our hearts and get us ready for what he's got. Get us ready to be people who stand and say, no, I'll serve my God. Whatever happens to me, I'll serve my God. And so let's sing in response and then we'll pray.